Hi there, and welcome to the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm John. So I was thinking we might get through the rest of this year without having to do another sad podcast. But no, the Nationals uh, managed to come in up 2 nothing last time we spoke to you. That was Wednesday night after they took a 2 nothing lead in the World Series coming home. And then in the three games they were at home, they lost 4-1. to one. 8-1 to one and 7-1, to one, didn't lead for the entirety of the 27 innings they played, and now they, and they head trailed back. for 25 of them. Yes, they trailed for all but the first innings in Game 3 and Game 5, and now they head back to Houston, down 3-2 to two in the series. They've dug themselves a big hole. They've got Strasburg versus Verlander in Game 6, and then uh, a Game 7 on the road. Uh, so things are not looking so great right now. No. I mean, it kind of feels like the series is over. I mean, just kind of the way they played at home and how everyone left the stadium. I mean, that the, the crowd all three games was a great crowd, and they were on their feet, especially you know the way they cheered on Joe Ross in Game 5. That was great. And it was just a shame that the crowd never got their moment to kind of blow up and really kind of celebrate because they were just trailing the entire game well yeah this is a season worth celebrating it's a team worth celebrating but the last three games that they played at the ballpark this season gave us nothing to celebrate it's it's so it was Mm -hmm. such an anti-climax uh based on how those first two games went and how the season has gone to this point i mean it was just they got bludgeoned, especially in two games that, you know, especially with game four, a game that on mm-hmm. paper they should win. And Patrick Corbin, we've, we've discussed, is not a great matchup against the Astros, who are both patient and majority right-handed. But the Nats were facing off against a bullpen game, and instead of turning it into a bullpen game, the Astros managed to stretch Jose Urquidy for five innings of two-hit, no-run ball. Uh and they allowed one run in nine innings in the bullpen game, and then the Nats had the unenviable task of task, excuse me, of going up against Joe Ra- or with Joe Ross on the mound against Garrett Cole in a game five, yeah. uh, tied two to two. Should no, never I mean, have gotten first to of that all, point. You don't expect yourself to lose Max Scherzer hours before first pitch game five, and that kind of, you know. Of course, changed the tone, and there were some people who said the Nats like playing down and all this, but they didn't really show it on uh, last night, Sunday night, and they just looked flat. And, and you know, Boswell was talking about today about this idea that you know once your team falls into an offensive slump in the World Series, especially, it's very hard to get out of it, and so you know you have to feel very, very uncomfortable going in tomorrow. Even with Strasburg throwing, and with Verlander on the mound for the for the Astros, unless Strasburg can go negative runs, allow yeah. negative runs. I mean, it, the offensive approach that the Nets took in Game Three was very good. They just couldn't yeah. seem to cash in. Uh, they Which managed, happened. yeah, they managed. You know, there to were make, some big pitches by the Astros. Uh, you know, Granky had that big curve on Cabrera. Uh, Josh James had a great changeup on Zimmerman, and that happens. You know, sometimes you just can't. Sometimes it is in your night. 
Yeah, well, it's easy to say that, but then, you know, in retrospect, it kills you because in game four and five, uh, they had bad at-bats the entire evening instead of just in key moments. And that mm-hmm. really, I mean, the guys that you have to look to as sort of the the least valuable players in games three and four, at least, were your stars. Anthony mm-hmm. Rendon had five at-bats in game three, and in three of them made outs on the first pitch. Uh, Juan Soto in game four had the only chance the Nationals essentially had the entire game, down 4 nothing in the sixth inning of the game uh, with the bases loaded and one out. Soto swings at the first pitch. It's a curveball from Will Harris. It wasn't a hanger by any means. Uh, he swings at the first pitch, grounds it weakly to first, gets a run home, but it effectively kills the rally. Yeah. Uh, and you, you expect more than that, and I know it's, it's asking a lot considering they've been there the entire season and for most of the postseason, but in a spot like that, you kind of have to have your stars come through. And, mm-hmm. I mean, the Nats didn't have anyone come through in games three, four, and five. Uh, you look at game five, the biggest opportunity they had was in the second inning. Uh, they had a single by Soto and then a single by Kendrick, first and third, nobody out. And then strikeout on a four-pitch at-bat from Zimmerman, ground ball double play, and they don't seriously threaten for the rest of the game. No. So, yeah, and that kind of changed the whole momentum of the game, too. If you're able to get even one runoff Cole, maybe a different game, um, in terms of just kind of how they just allowed Cole to settle in from that point on. Yep. And, he, you know, Cole is a great pitcher, and he pitched really well last night, but that was a huge turning point. In letting he him allowed out. those two hits, and then he allowed two hits for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, to put that in perspective, the Nets had swung the bat pretty well off of Cole, obviously in game one, but then in the first two or three innings of game five as well. And then once Cole was able to settle down, uh, I mean, it was it was game over from there. Yeah. And another big thing that people are talking about, from especially last night's game, is the umpiring and, mm-hmm. you know, the need for robot umpires. And I think that's just so overblown. I mean, it's there were whatever the Twitter account is that, that rates the umpiring. I think but, there are two. One of them is called Umpire Auditor. The other one is, like, something similar to that. Whatever. They gave Barksdale a 94% correct rate and that's well above average it's well above average he did a fine job yeah he blew one big call but you know one or two well sure no listen so i have a couple of points to make here on barksdale first of all if your response to your team getting five hit and scoring three runs at home in a three-game series, you know, such as it is, is to blame the umpires, then you're just looking to deflect. Because the, the umpires aren't what caused the Nats to lose at all. Not even, not even one of the you know, smaller factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, the Nats didn't get some calls, but it wasn't... They weren't shut down offensively because of those calls, by and large. Uh, second of all, 
I think the worst thing that Barksdale did last night was not the blown call to Robles, which you could argue was sort of seen as an inconsistency and a makeup call, considering he had called one the previous at bat to Ryan Zimmerman that was in a very similar spot. Uh, so that was, you know, the most you can ask out of an umpire is consistency rather than perfect correctness to the zone. And you could argue that that wasn't great. But worse than that was uh, on a 2-2 pitch to Michael Brantley in the sixth inning uh, thrown by Tanner Rainey. Uh, Rainey throws a pitch that's right down the middle. Call the ball by Barksdale. uh, And Jan Gomes, who was behind the plate, uh, asked him why it had happened. And he said uh, something along the lines of, you caused that. Uh, that missed call by getting up. And now it was unclear if he was talking about getting up in reference to moving while he was catching the pitch or getting up in terms of trying to throw it around because he thought it was a strike. But if he was trying to throw it around and that was what cost him the strike, that's just unbelievably petty by the umpire. You can't miss a call because a guy, you know, in, in your mind shows you up. That's not, that's not a valid reason to miss a call. You, you just, and to, to use that as an excuse, even if that isn't the real reason you missed the call, I mean, that's, that's an insult to the catcher and to the pitcher. You, you can't do that as an umpire. That's, mm-hmm. that's an yeah. up show. And I, thought, I saw that a couple times also on the Astros side, too, when Maldonado would pop up on a call that was a borderline call that could have gone either way, and they were usually called balls from that um and i thought you know maybe he's, he didn't like that maldonado was showing him up and you know if what gomes had said what if that happened was true you know is what actually occurred then it makes a little sense that 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 happened a couple times um so it's you know not great look for that but outside of that one play the umpiring was fine and i, I honestly can't complain outside of that gomes well yeah, and I mean, just to address something that we can obviously talk more about when we have a lot more time to talk about it in the off season, which, by the way, even if things end well, is still as soon as tomorrow and as distant as Wednesday. We only have a maximum of two baseball games left all year. Obviously, it's awesome that the Nats are playing in them, but I don't know. I'm kind of kind of ready. I, I I this last month has been. A little taxing. <laughs> I know, but I, I don't know. I, I'm always sad when a baseball season ends. Yeah, yeah, it's sad, but this has been a long one. Yeah, I, I mean, I have tons of work I need to catch up I'm on. I'm very behind on everything. I, I have tons of sleep I need to catch up on. Yes. Uh, but, uh, so just to, to circle back on the umpiring thing, a lot of people are calling for robot umpires, and I don't think... You know, I, to give people credit that maybe they don't deserve, maybe they have thought of the implications of robot umpiring. Maybe they're, they've decided that they're okay with the seismic changes that robot umpiring would bring, and, and they would be huge. Uh, for generations, large portions of catcher value and of pitcher value have been based on framing, and based on consistently hitting a spot 
that is maybe slightly off the zone. So command rather than exact correctness within the zone. These are huge uh, skills that are, have been hugely rewarded within the game that players have made Hall of Fame careers based on. And if you're okay just throwing those out and changing the aesthetics of the game, because if there's less focus on catcher framing, on presentation of pitches, then uh, the game will look aesthetically different. It will look like, uh, I mean, strikes will not, it won't be as important to make strikes look like strikes. And that, that'll cause a major aesthetic change to the game. And I think it's for the worse. Yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of these robot umpire ideas. I think, you know, there is something... I don't think it's going to be good for offense. I don't think... I think it's going to have so many negative effects, as you were saying, on the game that people don't really consider now. I, um, I don't know that... I don't know that it's going to be bad for offense... I think if I had to guess that it would, I mean, I, I don't, you see this to some extent with the, the quest tech zone uh, and sort of the, the post-2002 uh, grading of umpires based on this sort of objective zone. Uh, what you've seen is sort of, and it's hard to say whether or not it's a direct causation or not, but you've seen a lot of the death of guys who could hit corners and then go beyond them, the the Glavins of the world, the Levon Hernandez's of the world. Uh, so I think this would just further that. Uh, and further the sort of rise of guys who don't have command, because it doesn't matter if you hit your spot if it's still in the zone. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know that it would be bad for offense per se, but I think it would change even further the type of pitchers that you see. Uh, so, I don't know. It's There are second and third order consequences. There are unintended consequences. I think that there are ways to sort of mitigate those consequences. If you wanted to go to a tennis-style challenge system where, say, you get two or three strikes that... Uh, you can challenge a game or something like that. Yeah, it would it would be less bad for sort of that presentation aspect, but it would be worse for that pace of play thing because then you would have manager challenges on strikes and balls. It would it would be lame. Point is, there are lots of unintended consequences, and you know, quote unquote, getting the calls right. A, I don't think is that important because I actually prefer a variable zone uh, where strikes are things that look like strikes and balls are things that look like balls. Uh, but B, even if you think it's important to get every call correct, you got to weigh the costs on, on that benefit. And I don't mm. think there's really a good argument that they outweigh those yeah. costs. Well, looking forward and, back to the World Series... Yeah, that was a long rant because I don't think we it's, really want to talk about the, the games yeah, but we I'm just gonna put, saw. I'm going to put on my optimist hat and look forward to the next two games, potentially two games, at least to which, tomorrow's game. Which hat um, is your optimist hat? Um, it's my optimist prime hat. Sure. Um, so, you know, the Nationals, looking forward, have Strasburg versus Verlander on the mound. 
Now, you, Strasburg has been our best pitcher in the postseason. I mean, he's been one of the best pitchers in the postseason of all time. Um, so, for tomorrow's game, you know, the odds are probably in the Astros' favor, and they definitely are, but you still have to feel pretty good about this team for tomorrow. You know, whether or not their bats could come back is the biggest question. But in terms of a matchup perspective, uh, you know, Verlander versus Strasburg is a game the Nats could definitely win. Um, sure. And if you look, so if the Nats do win that game and looking towards game seven, uh, a potential game seven, which we'll probably, you know, if there is a game seven, we'll talk about more. But, you know, it, it really depends wholeheartedly on the health of Max Scherzer. <clears throat> Excuse me. On the health of Max Scherzer. And from all reports, it does not look like he will be back. There is, uh, and I spoke with someone today who's familiar with the injury, uh, not familiar with Scherzer's specific injury, but familiar with the, the type of injury Scherzer has. Uh, and even with the best medical care, we're talking about an injury that normally has a two- to three-week time frame. Uh, you know, for non-super athletic individuals to get back to any modicum of exercise, we're talking two to three weeks. Scherzer obviously has the best medical care, and he's in terrific shape. So those are mitigating factors. Plus, uh, there's the fact that the Nats have given him that cortisone shot. Uh, but with the kind of swelling that he had, with the, the lack of mobility that he had, I mean, if you watched his pre-Game 5 press conference, he couldn't even turn his head. He had to swivel the chair to be able to talk to people to the right of him. I, I just, you know, I'm not a doctor, and medical miracles happen all the time, but you can't you can't plan on Max Scherzer being ready, and and I would say it's a ten percent or less chance of it happening. Yeah. Uh, so I mean that kind of affects how you look at a game six too, because yes. if if you have Scherzer available to start, which you know if Scherzer is available, I doubt he is not going to be able to start. Exactly. No, he'll maybe give you an inning. Well, even so, if he's even if he's healthy. Uh, there's no way, I mean, they, they've talked about a 48-hour window for the cortisone shot to take effect. That 48-hour window would be up tomorrow. There's no time for him to throw a bullpen, no time for him to stretch out to be able to start. If he, if he can go, it's going to be out of, the, out, of the, yeah, out of relief. Yeah. So it, it changes how you can handle your relief pitching in terms of a game six. Um, you know, obviously, Doolittle is good to go, but he, for some reason... The Nats decided that, I mean, Davey decided to put on autopilot in the ninth inning in game five and let Hudson pitch 35 pitches, none of which were particularly all that good. I think the, the thought there was to give the Nats a chance to get the closer Ozuna in the game and uh, give him another look at Ozuna. So, you know, at the very least, you might have a chance to get his pitch count up. Obviously, it would be great to mount a rally against him, but you would also get a chance to look at him again. Yeah. You, know, you know, there's a big question as to whether or not that's worth uh, taxing Hudson to the tune of 37 pitches, but mm -hmm. that was it, the idea. Yeah, but now you have to, I mean, he's going to be available for a game six. He has to be. Um, yes. But... You know, you probably can't stretch him as far as you wanted to. Oh, as, sure you can. 
Yeah, probably. It's your la- it could be your he, last he game hasn't, of the season. He hasn't pitched since game one through 37 pitches. He hasn't even warmed up. He didn't warm up in game two, three, or four. He warmed, he may, game he two. warmed up in game two, but he didn't warm up in three and four. Mm-mm. He should be able to give you two innings. Now, there's a big question as to the quality of those innings because he has not looked good this series. But, uh, I mean, he's still your best or second best option. So. Yeah. So... I mean, you're going to have to rely heavily on those two guys. I mean, you have to wonder, depending on Max's health, whether or not they'll take him off the roster. Um, as well, as you know, it sounds like Kurt Suzuki's back. Um, and he'll be, you know, I don't think he'll start for the rest of the series, but it sounds like he'll be available off the bench. I, with, if he's not starting or not capable of starting, he should be off the roster. Exactly. That was my next thing. And you, I wonder if you even, I mean, you should probably have put Reed back there. But you could, you know, go with, I don't even know who you'd go with as another pitcher. No, uh, so you can't do that. It has to be uh, in the same position? It, it has to be a same position. Okay, see? gotcha. Yes. Well, so you bring Reed. Um, I mean, if he, if he can't start and can, can uh, come off the bench, then why not keep him? Suzuki? Yeah. Because in the American League, the Nets don't really need their second catcher to be able to come off the bench. That's there right. aren't going to be that many pinch-hitting opportunities. That's Plus, right. the Astros have an all-right-handed bullpen. There, yeah. There's not really any reason to keep Kurt Suzuki on. I mean, considering he hasn't really hit much, of, much at all this postseason... I just don't see any scenario where you would use him off the mm-hmm. bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the benefit of having a second catcher who can actually catch is kind of important. Yeah. And it's someone who can actually maybe throw out runners. Yeah. I mean, Reed is not the greatest defensive catcher in the world. Uh, you're not going to get that much out of him. But the, the point is that at least he's healthy and able-bodied. Uh I think that if Scherzer still looks like he can't lift his arm above his head tomorrow around midday, you've got to make a move for both. Uh, I agree. I think the amount of utility, you, if you can save Corbin for a game seven, and if it's Sanchez and Corbin in the bullpen, that's it's not a great shot. I, I think Strauss would winnable. also be available for Game Seven for an inning. No, no. I think he would. On zero days rest. People have done it before. Randy Johnson has done it before. Mm. Randy Johnson once threw 272 innings in a regular season. Steven Strasburg is not Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson from 2000 to or 1999 to 2002 top 250 innings in each season. Randy Johnson was a freak of nature. Steven Strasburg is not that guy. Strasburg has been healthy all this year, but going 100 pitches in Game 6 and then coming back and being able to come out of relief in Game 7, that that takes a freak. And, and Strasburg is not that guy. I'm sorry. Well, it's, and it's not an insult to Steven Strasburg. It is, I, I mean, I, I can't I can't think of any guy other than maybe Verlander. And probably not Verlander today. I'm thinking Verlander 
eight years ago who I would think would be capable of throwing 100 pitches and then coming out the next day and throwing any any amount of time in relief. I mean, I don't know. That's I mean that's what Johnson did. He threw 104 pitches in Game Six. It's an open question as to why he did that in a 15 to one game, uh, and then he came out and threw the ninth inning in Game Seven. Strasburg cannot do that. I maybe mean, he may get you one out if you need it. Maybe if, but what situation would you feel comfortable putting a a Steven Strasburg who is you know, come out of relief now once in his career, and that was to start an inning. Would uh, you feel more comfortable putting Steven Strasburg in to get one out or Wander Suero? I don't know. At, at that point, I would rather have Suero than Strasburg on zero days rest, coming out of the bullpen, not starting an inning, all of which for the first time in his career. It's just, that is a Herculean task to even think about asking someone for. I think they might do it, if need be. Well, it, it may es- be necessary, but... Especially I, without Scherzer. Yeah, I, I don't know. Frankly, I would rather have Scherzer who can't lift his arm above his head, underhand the ball, than have Strasburg come out there. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's too much to ask. Uh, and I'm not even talking about long-term health. I'm talking about that day it's just it's just too much you can't ask anyone to do it well we'll see hopefully we get hopefully to that game seven. hopefully we'll see hopefully yeah. we get to that game seven the nets so, still need to win a game that they probably aren't favored in they haven't they've only been the favored seven. in one game that so far this playoff series and they lost it miserably yes so you know favorites are malarkey Who yeah knows? I, sure something like that i mean the, the nets you can't get mad at them for the season that they've had. And don't let the last three games color your perception of the season that they had. I mean, they still have managed to come within two or, or possibly one games of, of winning a World Series. That's an amazing achievement for any team, much less a team that we all counted out on May 24th. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't be immensely disappointed with their performance in games three, four, and five. I mean, they were, after game two, I would say about a three-to-one favorite to win the World Series. And now they're coming back to Houston a, I would say, one-to-four uh, one underdog at winning the World Series. That's, yeah. that's a hell of a bad series. Hey, you know what? Maybe if all holds... The road team always wins. Yeah, that has never happened in a World Series before, so that would be pretty exciting. Yep. Uh, although, I should, uh, you know, th- this World Series, from an objective, non-Nats fan perspective, has been pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's been nothing to really watch if you're an objective, disinterested fan. If you don't care about either team, you probably root for the home team in each game, and... Uh, the home team has come out and looked terrible in every game. It's just, it has not been, for a game, a series that has now gone to six games and may may well go to seven, it's been a pretty boring series. Yep, but, so we'll hopefully we'll get exciting over the last two games. Yep, that can I mean, all be redeemed with two two great games in six and seven. Yeah, 
So hopefully we'll record tomorrow night. If the Nats lose, we'll record when we feel like it. Yeah, probably <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. So uh, until then, let's hope that we have another episode before the season ends. Yep, and look on the bright side. If the season ends tomorrow, you get to sleep in on Wednesday. Well, or at, at, the le- at the very least, Wednesday night you get sleep. Yes. So All right. We'll see you whenever. All right. See you soon.